Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to all our West Australian football fans to another edition of Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. And I don't know about you, but Round 14 and the Waffle W Grand Final Weekend was a mega weekend of football. Plenty of great contests all around, great marks, great goals and everything in between. And we're going to review it all for you today, including a chat with East Perth coach Ross McQueen, who just nabbed his seventh victory in a row for the Royals and they are on top of the ladder for the first time in nine years. And of course, we'll have some big news as far as the Around the Waffle Player of the Year votes are concerned. Paul Persick with you in the back chat studios today and alongside me is going to join me for the remainder of the season. A huge thanks to Mark Foreman. Marky, welcome along. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, pleasure. Happy to be on board for the rest of the year and talk some uh, waffle. And as you said, it's it's been unreal. Look, I mean, my first week last week was a, a great week of waffle footy and then Almost, they went one better this weekend. They certainly did. Great contests. Of course, the uh, Waffle Tour went up to Geraldton as well for a Sunday gem, but also the Waffle W Grand Final. We must send our congratulations to East Fremantle. Grand Final redemption complete. Yeah, role reversal from uh, last year. And, you know, I saw some, some really cool photos of, you know, always the euphoric moments of the final siren. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to them. But, um, yeah, a really good game as well and, and a Awesome way to end uh, the Waffle W season. Yeah, Zippy Fish winning the best on ground medal. Congratulations to her. And also we had the Rogers Cup as well earlier in the day. That was a thriller. West Perth getting up in a, a classic by just three points. And the standard of women's footy just keeps getting better and better and better at both levels. Yeah, it does. And that's, you know, that's a credit to the attempts to grow the game. I think it's been occasionally slow a little bit. You know, people were worried that, you know, they were going too hard at it, but in the end, it was the only way that they could develop the game. And now we're at this point where, like you say, the standard is just getting better and better. So um, as with anything, whether it's boys or girls, the more we've, the more people we've got playing the game, the better. And the crowd as well at Mineral Resources Park. There was about four or 5,000 there on the, on the Saturday. Just amazing and a lot of noise and atmosphere created. Yeah, really cool to get the support too. And, you know, uh, like with any like with any footy, the atmosphere is always going to add to it. So I'm um, sure it was absolutely awesome for the girls to, to run around in front of that amount of people. Congratulations to West Perth and East Fremantle on their respective triumphs. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. Paul Persick and Mark Foreman. Well, what about East Perth, Mark? Seven wins in a row following their victory over Claremont on Sunday. And for the first time in nine years, they are on top of the ladder and it's well-deserved for this Royal side. And their coach, Ross McQueen, he is the talk of the town and he is good enough to join us on today's episode. Ross, welcome back to the show, mate. You must be uh, delighted with the form of your side. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, um, yeah it's great. It's, um, it's great for the boys to... Um, get a bit of reward for effort, as I say, but uh, it's, a, it's an enjoyable moment, but we know there's plenty to be done. Talking about some of your younger players in particular, I was very impressed with uh, a lot of them. Uh, Sam Van Diemen, he was brilliant. Uh, the likes of Angus Schumacher, who's continuing to get better and better at East Perth, and also the likes of Stan Wright and Harrison McCready. They really played their roles on Sunday. Uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's been great. Like, like I said, Sam Van Diemen's only played league football, I think, early, or middle of last year. I think he might have come into the senior side, and He's found a way to um, hold his spot, play some really good footy. Obviously, Stan has been around the club for a little while, but really grown into his role the last couple of years. Harrison McCready, new to the new to the club, uh, was injured early in the year. Unfortunately, got an injury in the, the last practice game, but he's starting to build into his year really well. So, no, excited how some of these young boys are coming along, and um, 
yeah, we're look, looking forward to what, what the next couple of weeks will look, look like. Ross, it's no secret you've got a, a really strong midfield group. Tell us about players like Hamish Brayshaw, Mitch Croden. They've they've been, you know, we know where they've been previously in their careers. What do they bring to a, a waffle club, and how important are they in the in the structure of what you're doing? Well, they're obviously very important for what we're doing. Um, you know, if we, you can win the ball at the source early and get the ball in your front half, that gives you a chance to help set up, and you're not you're not having to try and move the ball all day from the back half. Which, Quite often you start taking a few more risks and you leave yourself open to, to getting scored against. But um, they're experienced. They're big. They're, they're strong bodies. They know football. They're, they're good characters. But they're happy to pass on what they know to the young blokes, which is important. We, um, like I said, we've got a number of young boys coming through in our uh, reserves and cold programs, so they're happy to pass on their knowledge. And um, as you said, they're good football players, so they're hitting the scoreboard as well as as well as giving our other blokes opportunity to impact on the game. What was the real message to the boys uh, during the week of the game against Claremont, knowing that this one was going to be a big scalp if uh, if East Perth could get over the line? Uh, well, we've all got a lot of respect for Claremont, and I, mean, I spent a lot of time there. So we respected the opposition, but we were really heavily focusing on what, what we're trying to do, and that was our focus going into the game against Claremont, just seeing um, how we're going and what we're trying to do. Does it stack up against a bit? The really strong clubs in the competition, like we had Swans at Swans and now Claremont, and we've got Peel at Peel and Kubiaco and Easter Mandalay are our next three games. So it's all, it's, um, there's every week's a challenge and an opportunity. So we saw it as an opportunity to, to see where we're at, and uh, it was close all day. And maybe the, you know, four goals in the end was maybe a goal or two more than probably reflected in the game, but we were happy to take that result. Ross, you, you know, it's no secret you said there that you certainly respect Claremont. Um, they were strong in the Ruck division. Ollie Eastland's been really good. What did you do to combat his influence? Uh, Ollie's a good player. Uh, I remember him coming through as a young bloke through the Colts program. He's really worked in his craft. He worked a lot with Percy Johnson years ago, over the years and things. So um, we're Jed, we thought Jed competed really well against Ollie. Mm. Uh, Jed brings a different dynamic for us. He's been really positive. He's played three games of league football now. You're coming up against one of the, you know, a couple of the best ruckmen in the competition in terms of Ollie this week, and you've got the, the Peel boys, Riley Smith and uh, Liam Reedy, and then he follows that up with uh, Zach Clark. So Jed's got a, a a big job in front of him, but it's all credit to, to Jed. He's been great with that. And our midfielders, we understood they had to work pretty hard um, to work off Ollie as well. So no, we thought Jed was really strong in that regard, and, and the mids um, were able to help nullify some of the Claremont mids a little bit. Now, Ross, at the start of the season when you took over full-time at the East Perth Football Club, if anyone said to you you were going to be on top spot on the ladder at mid-July during the season, what would have been your first response? Um, t- take the money. Yeah, would have, yeah let, let, let's, we've got that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like we, Every coach plans a year and you're optimistic at the start of the year, but you know, um, at the moment we're in a, in a good position to um, perhaps set ourselves up for the back end of the year, but uh, no, if you offered me that at the start of the year, we would have jumped at it. Ross, uh, you obviously respect all the clubs you play, but who do you feel like might be there or thereabouts to play you on the final day of the of the waffle season? Of course, your belief to get there. Who do you think it might be against? Oh, uh, yeah, you're right, Mark. It, it, it is an extremely tight competition, and the results have been tight all year. And you just look at Swan Districts again on the weekend, getting over Subiaco, but. Uh, I've always, well, I think I've said it earlier in the year, I've always liked what Eastern Mandalay have put together. And I think they're starting to find some form, getting a few blokes back from injury. Um, you can never rule out you know, Peel and Subiaco 
you know, West Perth are coming, so they're only a couple of games away at the moment. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty even comp, but I, oh, yeah, I'd probably say he's from Antelope at the moment. Just, just the balance they've got and, and the depth they've managed to put together. Ross, before we let you go, just interested to know your thoughts. There's been a lot of talk about the alignment systems. I heard you mention Peel there. What what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on what might happen with West Coast and, and how do you see an alignment system versus a, a pure reserves team like West Coast? Um, yeah, I don't really know. I don't, I, I, you know I've got enough things to worry about at East Perth, I guess, <laughs> myself, to, to, to try and comment on other people. Like a, um, yeah, like I said, at the start of the year, we played West Coast in the pre-season. It was a cracking game of football. I think it was about 15 goals apiece and we lost by a goal or two. Um, and then all of a sudden... A week later, they got smashed with their injury. So, mm. um, yeah, oh, it's people much smarter than I can probably comment on that, Mark. I, I just try and constantly <laughs> worry about <laughs> worry about East Perth. No, absolutely fair enough. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Ross, uh, it's no secret that to you, the talk of the town this season. Top of the ladder are the Royals after their seventh win in a row. All the best on Saturday against Peel Thunder. Ross, thank you very much for your time. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. Ross McQueen, the coach of the East Perth Football Club. They say seventh heaven for uh, East Perth with their <laughs> seventh win in a row. What a side uh, Rossi has got out there on the field. He's getting so much out of his players. Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, the best part about that for Ross is you do your, you do your work and your chunk of work in the middle of the season. They can, you know, not that they want to, but they can afford to drop a few games leading into finals and they'll still be in a, a really strong position. But I don't think they'll drop one for the rest of the season. I don't Ooh, Just the side that they've okay. got and the firepower in midfield, down back and up forward and the developing talent that they have got through their Colts and Reserves and also in the league as well, call me ambitious, but I don't think they'll <laughs> drop one. I don't think, I just have this gut feeling they won't drop one. Maybe ambitious, I don't know. Look, they certainly won't want to be. There's always that uh, that argument, oh, you need to you know lose one before you head into finals and I don't think Ross will be thinking that way at all and they'll hope they don't. Um, it's hard. Like footy's a hard game, and we're in the middle of winter, and bodies will get sore, and they'll come up against. You know, they, there'll be a game before the end of the year where they feel lethargic or you know not tip top. But again, they're showing that they're a quality team, and quality teams find a way to win even when feeling like that. So uh, you might be right. I'm not going to double down on that, Paul. No, no. But. You've said it, so we'll revisit this in a few weeks and we'll see, have see a how they get on. It's just what they've got on the field, you know, yeah. that they just don't look like a team that's going to go down that quickly, you know, especially with the side that they have got. And everyone, Ross McQueen has led them so well. Of course, yep. they've got Peel Thunder on Saturday. That game and every WAFL game in Round 15 is live, free and in full on the AFL app. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. Let's get to the round 15 action for you. We'll start off on the Saturday night, West Coast and West Perth. West Perth won the game, but their game after quarter time, where they started with a seven goal to nil uh, first term, was hardly convincing. Uh, yeah, no, exactly right. And I think also reflective of what we all hoped we'd see is a more competitive West Coast side with numbers back. So I think they had, I think it was 11 players that were injected into... Yeah, 11 to 12 players. Yeah, and um, that's great for the competition because we hate we hated seeing what was happening to west coast um but yeah perhaps west perth would have wanted a, a slightly stronger win but in saying that i think what west coast have been churning out this year is not reflective of what they can do so maybe we're starting to see a more uh, you know realistic west coast two side would that would, would that mean that we could see much more better results from west coast you know not not like you know, huge smashings or maybe even a win or two. I'd 100% expect that. So, And I think that's what they'll be wanting for the end of the year. They'll be 
genuinely desperate to chase some premiership points. You know, they got two last week and, the, you know, that's a reasonable result. But the more players they get back and the more players that the AFL side gets back, the stronger we're going to see this West Coast side. And I, yeah, I don't, I still feel as though they're, you know, somewhat at a, on, a, on the back foot with what they're allowed to roll out with their twos team. Um, perhaps a conversation for another day, but um, what they are throwing out there, are, they're, they're performing, you know, in the last two weeks particularly really well. Jackson Nelson in particular continuing his good season, 26 touches. Greg Clark, another 23. Harry Barnett in the ruck, very good. On the other side of the coin, West Perth, they had their stars firing, but yeah, that, that, it'll be hard uh, for West Perth to get a measure of a match that went like that. You know, seven goals at the first quarter, but after quarter time, only three. And very shoddy goal kicking as well. Case in point, Tyler Keitel, three goals, five uh, up forward. Could have kicked maybe seven or eight if he was a little more accurate. But other than that, their stars really fired when they need to. Yeah, well, 26 scoring shots for West Perth sort of suggests the pattern of the game. Um, but you've got to kick him. Exactly right. And I was baffled to see that Tyler Keitel, who's obviously been around the system for so long, um, you know, didn't make the most of his opportunities. You're going to get days like that. But um, I, I think, you know, you turn, what, six of those six of those misses into goals and it's, you know, a, a pretty good win in the end. But um, they didn't. And, and, you know, credit to West Coast as well. I did see some some highlights here and there of the pressure that they were putting on and, um, yeah, that sort of results in that. But I think, yeah, maybe just take it and run for yeah. West Perth. They take got the four points. And, yeah, look, it's probably, as we've mentioned, probably not going to really affect the ladder at the end of the day. But um, you can certainly get a lot of a lot out of, of these final games for, for teams that won't play finals, and that's what West Perth will be looking for. It won't change the five that drastically, but it did get a little disruption uh, this weekend, and we'll, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, the second game on the Sunday morning uh, we'll go to now, Perth and South Fremantle. Very competitive outing. Perth will take a lot of positives out of this, but South Fremantle, they got the points, but at a cost. Toby McQuilkin went out with concussion and a couple of other injury problems for the Bulldogs as well. Yep, and... Not what you want when you're, you know, trying to establish a good a good block of footy. Um, and pretty, you know, influential players as well to lose there. So hopefully, you know, they don't lose them for too long. Obviously, with the concussion, you'll be back. We, I think I heard them say they're hoping you'll only miss one. But, um, yeah, not ideal. And Chad Pearson as well, one of South Fremantle's key defenders. He also got injured in that seven-point win. Yeah, um, and... Yeah, being, trying to hold down Ford at the back there is, uh, you know, and they did hold well even in, in the absence once he went down. So uh, a good win. I, You know, how many times do we say it? Good teams find a way to win the close ones and that's what they've done, you know, only seven points. But um, Perth bounced back pretty well from, from what, you know, they would have been super disappointed with the week before um, to, to get that close. They've done pretty well. Charlie Thompson in particular, he's led from the front 30 disposals, coming over from Coburg at the start of the season. He's gotten better and better. Corey Byrne, another 30 touches. But I think from South Fremantle's point of view, I think the real workhorse in that in that game was Solomon James, the, the ruckman. I thought he played magnificently. His work rate in the ruck, picking up where Brock Higgins has left off, you know, whether Higgins has been down on form, Solomon James has really taken the responsibility as uh, South Fremantle's number one ruckman, and he played a really good game. 29 hitouts, and he got 12 touches as well. Yeah, and his follow-up work was what was pretty noticeable and that like as to be a, I think to be a good ruckman not that I've ever been a good ruckman far too short uh, <laughs> but to be a good ruckman it's all about the follow-up work and uh, you know you see he laid a few tackles as well but um, you know watching the way he went about it was impressive and yeah you're absolutely right he was a serious presence in that ruck you know won, won the hit out contest albeit 
Um, I thought <laughs> Perth uh, Young Ruckman did pretty well. Jang a jang, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, he was a really good presence, um, uh, Solomon James. South Fremantle, of course, winning by seven points over there at Lath Lane. And then 430 kilometres north of Perth, Geraldton turned on an absolute gem. 19-point winners, East Fremantle over Peel Thunder. It was a great contest, but like South Fremantle, East Fremantle accounting a cost of a major injury. Milan Murdoch mm-hmm. having scans today on his shoulder. Okay, so you were you were up doing this it game, was up there at Geraldton. It was uh, absolutely fantastic. A yep. great crowd, great atmosphere. And uh, a wonderful game to call as well. You know, good, hard, attacking football. Fatigue maybe set in a little bit later. Peel Thunder, they played a good game. They got the jump in the first quarter. They were kicking very accurately. Ultimately, even with the likes of Benell, who played his 100th game, uh, Benjamin Hancock, 20 disposals. Blair Bell with 24. They just ran out of legs in the last quarter. They just got caught off guard. Yeah, and I think the other thing, almost reverse to West Coast, is uh, they lost a lot of players who were elevated to the, to the senior side. So Fremantle needing to call on a few. Um, and, you know, when you lose a, a, a player like Joel Hamling, who has held down for, for, for Peel, with that experience this year, um, to take him out of the side was not ideal for them, no. clearly. And, um, I th- you know, I think, as you mentioned, East Fremantle were able to sort of capitalise on a few opportunities up forward. And, yeah, probably got a little tired as well with um, the, the lower part of the squad depth tested. Yeah, absolutely. But I have to say that the lower part of that squad as far as depth was really good for East Fremantle. I mean, Fraser Turner, the South Australian, he was brilliant in midfield and down back, 26 disposals. Harrison Marsh, he's continuing his strong form coming over from Subiaco. 32 touches and 10 marks, but one player, I really like to see the the rising stars of each side get better. Chris Walker. What a spectacular player he's going to be. I mean, he played a really good game uh, as a defender midfielder, uh, six marks, and also laid down five good tackles and delivered the ball inside 54 times. I tell you something, he's going to get better and better, Chris well, Walker. thank you for the tip. So this is the sort of thing where I'm looking forward to seeing these sort of players. I've only sort of, well, obviously, as the podcast goes, came on, on board last week, but... Um, my exposure to waffle footy has, has only grown throughout the year um, and I haven't had the opportunity to see him play, but I'm looking forward to that. And I always love your hot tips, Paul, so I'll, um, I'll keep an eye, an eye on him. Well, of course, East Fremantle, they'll have the bye before the big derby at Fremantle Oval, so I reckon uh, that'll be your first big chance to watch Chris Walker in action. He is a player on the rise. Now, Swan Districts and Subiaco at Steel Blue Oval, big upset as far as uh, the final five, the race for fifth place was concerned. Swan Districts getting up by two points. Uh, this was incredible. Now, this is the one that um, I probably paid closest attention to, um, and it was an unbelievable performance in the last quarter from Tom Edwards. So he kicked four goals for the game, all came in the last quarter. And um, when Swan Districts needed someone to stand up, he was the guy. Um, Played on the wing for the first, I think it was the first two and a half to three quarters, and then they threw him forward. And what more of an impact can you make? Oh. Swan Districts only kicked four in the last quarter. They all came off his boots. So um, he was brilliant. And a little inside scoop. So oh, I found yes. out that on the outer at Steel Blue Oval, there's a few uh, very loyal Swan District supporters. And they all get together and they chip in a tiny bit of cash to generate a cash reward or a, a prize, which was is now been, um, I think uh, they've had to cap it, the waffle. Uh, called the GG. The GG. The Golden Grunt, <laughs> named after a bloke who, he, they call him Grunt because apparently he burps all the time. Okay. And uh, he, yeah, they award the Golden Grunt after every game to a player that they feel, not necessarily the biggest ball winner, 
but who really had an impact. And not surprisingly, Tom Edwards was the golden oh, grunt winner. How about that? Presented by the uh, the ABC's Jonathan Beale. He goes oh, good up on there. Your and, yeah, they all put it together, and then Jonathan Beale goes up there and presents <laughs> it to whoever it is. So Tom Edwards was uh, stoked to oh, win the golden grunt. I can imagine it'll be a lot of cash. Make no mistake about that. He'd be happy with that, along with his performance of four goals. Well, he wishes it was a lot of cash, but the waffle doesn't allow it. Oh, so it no. Has, it, it's just uh, an honorary... Uh, little award now but um, you know a performance like that to kick four in the last quarter and see Swans over the line was awesome certainly was it was a great win by Swan District so nice little glimmer of hope for them to make the five so no wonder that point earlier the final five as a result of Swan District shock win got a little disruption Subiaco don't discount their effort they played a good game of football as well they they were playing catch up though especially when they conceded a couple of goals early and really needed to have a big last quarter four goals each in the last quarter and the likes of Savini, Schofield, they were fantastic. Liam Hipmock continuing his good form in the season. And Zach Clark, 65 <laughs> hitouts in another outstanding disposal in the ruck. If he's not a Sandover medal favourite, then there's something wrong. Uh, he's Yeah, he makes an impact, to say the least. Oh, um, that's an understatement. Yeah, and controlled that division. But so, it, you know, again, it's a credit to Swans to be able to um, sort of counteract that and and still win the game, but he is, yeah, it's no surprise coming back from Victoria where he was playing and um, he has just slotted in and, yeah, you're right, He, you know, he's obviously one of the front runners for it, but 65 hitouts is a reasonably dominant performance. In a I, losing effort, in I a losing team, no less. DSA, yeah, exactly right. Um, and it's not just his height, you know, he's clearly a, a gifted sort of tat ruckman and, and uses his body positioning really well, so... Um, yeah, it is an outstanding performance. Another one who you know follows up really strongly at ground level, but uh, not enough. Um, and you know, credit to Swans because that, that's a really impressive win. Certainly is, and it keeps the race for fifth place alive. And then the final game on the Sunday at Leadville Oval with top spot up for grabs. We mentioned earlier East Perth nabbing their seventh win in a row, reversing the tables on Claremont after a big last quarter, four goals to one, set up by, again, that calibre midfield of Schumacher, Brayshaw and Crowden, and backed up by Sam Van Diemen, who kicked an important three goals. Yeah, anyone, and, you know, some of their midfielders just continually kick goals from midfield as well. That's invaluable. You know, goal-kicking midfielders are um, like gold, and East Perth have multiple of them. Uh, It's a really intimidating midfield group to come up against. Um, and even, you know, look, they did perform well, but even when they don't, you look at names like Croden and Brayshaw who bring that, you know, ex-AFL experience, um, you, you're always going to be in the game. You can have a down quarter, but these guys will, will get you up. And, um, you know, we heard about the camaraderie of East Perth last week um, and, and the sort of, even just the, the good nature that someone like Hamish Brayshaw brings, it's, it's always interesting to hear, hear them speak about him. He's apparently a really laid-back character, and you can't underestimate the importance of that. Like, when you get to the depths of winter, and it's cold, and it's wet, and you don't want to go to training, and guys like that get you up and about. And yeah, Brayshaw's like, along with Ross McQueen, he's like the galvanizer of yeah. the side, you know, gets them going. Well, that's exactly what it sounds like, you know. I'm not going to pretend to, you know be in the inner sanctum, but everybody that we speak to has sort of suggested the same. And um, when you get the the perfect balance of obviously a lot of talent, but also a lot of camaraderie, mm. um, you get 
results like this, seven in a row, and, and they're going from strength to strength. As for Claremont, their back was against the wall at half time. They got back into the contest in the third quarter. They took back some momentum with some good ball use from the likes of Mountford. Miles, who I think is getting better uh, this season. Benny Edwards, along with uh, Jai Bolton. But I really think the shutdown job the midfield did on Bailey Rogers, the East Perth midfield did on Bailey Rogers, was really the key at the end of the third quarter and at the start of the last. Yeah, and it, it speaks sort of volumes that they actually move, um, turn to that sort of role because you could quite easily sit there and go, our midfield's awesome. We don't need to worry about anyone else. But they did, mm. and you're right, they did a really good job um, and were able to blanket you know, the influence, which is yeah important in, in winning games when you can identify a player that can take it away from you. And they just ensured that he, he couldn't. It was a great job by all those at East Perth. Now to the ladder after round 14. East Perth atop the ladder for the first time in nine years. They tie with Claremont on 40 points, but it's the Royals on a superior percentage. Then East Perth in third, Peel Thunder in fourth, each on 36. And Subiaco still in fifth place. But West Perth and Swan District slowly creeping sixth and seventh after uh, both getting good wins. And then South Fremantle, Perth and West Coast rounding at the bottom half. Can I ask you, Paul, can... You see a scenario where any of those clubs sneak in? It's possible. It's possible. But I said a couple of weeks ago when John Townsend was on here, I just think the deficit between West Perth and Subiaco and Swan Districts and Subiaco will be too far back. I think it's going to be very difficult. It might come down to the last round of the season, but I think Subiaco will stay in that fifth place. Yep, it'll be tough. I mean, and West West Perth, pardon me, you can't afford to drop any games from here. Well, the problem is they got Claremont next. Uh, tough assignment. In Claremont. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the game to watch. And if West Perth are legitimate contenders, that's the game they need to win. They need to knock off someone who is right up the top. Uh, and earn their spot in in the five. They'll know that. And don't don't be surprised to see them come out, you know, firing against Claremont. They certainly need to be, especially since the fact that only uh, one time in the last four that Claremont have been beaten by West Perth, and that was in last year's grand final. Of course, every game in round 15 is live, free, and in full on the AFL app. Four games this weekend should be an absolute rip around. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. Let's get to the votes, Mark, and my golly, this was a tough one. A very, very tough round to get votes. Honourable mention, Tom Edwards of Swan Districts. Four goals in that last quarter. He'll be stiff to miss out, Tommy. I'm incredibly sorry, mate. But at least <laughs> the cash can't prize... I can't believe it. At least the cash prize will be a nice consolation. Yeah, you got the golden grunt. Yes. I don't even think he cares about the cash. It's all about winning the golden grunt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Let's get to the votes for round 14. Harrison Marsh of East Fremantle. He gets the one. His performance up in Geraldton, which is just fantastic. Tyler Keitel... Even though he was inaccurate in front of goal, he was able to inflict some scoreboard pressure for West Perth. He gets the two. Aidan Clark of Swan Districts, he got 28. He got the three votes, six marks, three tackles as well. His grunt at the coalface was just brilliant. Four votes, Solomon James of mm. South Fremantle. His follow-up work yep. in the ruck was just outstanding. He's really developing his craft as a prime ruckman, really replacing, uh, so to speak, Brock Higgins as that number one ruckman at uh, South Fremantle. And the around-the-waffle top gun of round 14 this week from East Perth is Sam Van Diemen. 20 disposals, three, uh, three marks, five tackles, and three very important goals uh, for East Perth in that game against Claremont. I love the work of Van Diemen uh, up forward. He's only been in the league side for about a year now. He made his debut in round nine in Mandra, but uh, the way he's been able to get it going has been fantastic. Yeah, great name too. Van Diemen. Sounds strong. 
I'm not sure if he was from Van Diemen's Land or something, but maybe, maybe. I don't know. No, he was he was good, and yeah, you know, found the ball, but again, kicking three goals and, and finding that much of the footy. Um, yep, he, he yeah, he's earned the top votes. I can understand that one. Uh, he was fantastic uh, on Sunday. Let's go to the leaderboard just quickly before we wrap things up. Jai Bolton still in the lead on eleven. Then it's Zach Clark and uh, Jarvis Pina on ten. Milan Murdoch on nine. Aiden Clark and Tom North on eight. And then rounding out the top eight, Jimmy Miller of South Fremantle with seven, and Sam Van Diemen and gets into the top eight with those five votes. Mark, great job from you as always, mate. I look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Thanks, Paul. Pleasure. Yeah, look forward to it. Well, that'll be a preview of round 15. Just a reminder, we have socials in operation, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a big thumbs up and like our pages. We really do appreciate it. You can watch every episode on the Backchat Studios YouTube channel or you can listen on wherever you get your podcast. We look forward to your company on Thursday to preview a huge round 15. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.